don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds, you can get so much business from just listening on Twitter. We were joined by Mark McCulloch, who is a food and drink marketing specialist and consultant. Now, Mark has worked with brands the likes of Yo Sushi, pret and he's also the host of the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Yes, I think we can all agree that food and drink should be an easy sell, but there's so much more you can do on social media and for your marketing to improve the perception of your brand and to get more people through the door. But not enough brands are doing this and this has been a major bugbear for Mark so we put a few questions to him about what brands could be doing better to improve their social media activity. And it is the fundamentals but if you get those right and your marketing's still a bit crap then that'll be okay. If this isn't right and the marketing's great then you're just shining a light on a bad product. All this and more coming up. What is the secret to success in food and drink marketing on social? And we've got 45 minutes to answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the worst university project ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it's it's multiple, right? So it's secrets. And I don't even know if it's a secret. I think it's just almost discipline and common sense from, from any marketing problem that you might have. So I think... If you wind the whole thing back, I think it's about discipline and approach and also the organisation believing in marketing in general. So the problem that we have a lot in food and drink, if you're talking restaurants, coffee shops, all that kind of stuff, bars, pubs, they're very operator-led. So what happens is the marketing department are seen as promotion jockeys. Mm. So it's just stick it, bang out a poster for that. Mm. Um, you know, we've lost sales, let's discount that. And it's all knee-jerk, 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 knee-jerk. Now, years ago, I went to see Sir Alex Ferguson speaking. So we're up Manchester, so it seems apt. And he said a brilliant thing where he said, the reason Manchester United were, were I'll emphasise were, so <laughs> successful um, was the fact that, in fact, we should get Beckham back, you know, looking at the, the, the mm. testimonial the other day. <laughs> he still was looking on form. But he said the reason they were so successful was they never thought about this Saturday's game. They always thought about three years' time. Now, if you take that analogy back into business and you believe that way and your culture's built that way and it's coming from the top and it's coming from the bottom, that everyone is in this to achieve something, then I think it's a a different ballgame. So the issues become that it's short-termist, tactical marketing, all the rest of it. So what you want to be able to do and have the autonomy to do, actually, because that's a big thing. So if you go in as a marketing director or a market manager or anything like that, and you don't have the autonomy, then either your confidence gets bashed and you end up just being, you know, that promotion jockey I was talking about, and replaceable, by the way, or you leave. So I think there's an inherent issue in our industry and in the food and drink side where we're not attracting the best talent or we are from outside that have marketing discipline. And this is no disrespect to anyone that's that's doing it right now. And I'll come on to that in a sec. But the biggest problem is that when they come in, they're trying to apply the well-tested rules of marketing planning, strategy, media planning, etc., And then they get about two months to have a swing and then it just goes into business as usual. Mm. And you'll you'll almost be kind of shouted down. Now, the organisations that are doing the best are the ones that are doing it properly. So, as I say, if you rewind back and you just take it as discipline. So if you're a golfer or whatever, you know, there's a certain way you approach your ball to hit a ball. And trying to hit the ball is the wrong thing to do. You know, you need your stance and your swing and, and you swing through it. And it's 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 that kind of approach that you need. So you come in and there's rules. So you want to be looking at research. You want to be researching to 
constantly keep making sure that you have the right target audience in mind. Now, the issue is that thinking potentially was done when you launched, but then things got so busy, you sort of never revisit mm, it. Change, yeah. And so you need to be led by that data. You know, who are the customers? How do they live their lives? You know, how do they get up in the morning? What's the first thing that they do? Are they listening to the radio in the shower? Are they, you know, really walk a mile in these people's shoes, really understand that. And then you need to understand what their motivations are. Why would they use you? Now, it was interesting, I did a podcast the other week with uh, Mark Ritson, and he said something brilliant where he was sort of saying, well, in terms of, you know, the research side of things and all the rest of it, a lot of people are just going on gut feel. But what you need to do is really understand the data and really understand what that means. And also marketing in its truest form is actually coming up with an unmet need. But very rarely are there many things in life as industries that are that are an unmet need. Mm. If you think about the restaurants that are out there, I mean, Uber potentially is, you know, in terms of digital music happening or, but truly what are the unmet needs and yeah, you're very yeah. and you're very lucky if you get to work on a project that's an unmet need so i think there's there's that research step then you need to start looking at you know the the, the brand proposition that's going to meet that you know motivations needs and the and the target audience and then from there you need to get into you know brand development how does it look how does it sound What's the products? What's the distribution? Et cetera, et cetera. And then it's about starting to get the message out there. So, you know, whether it's social or whether it's shaving your logo into the side of a dog, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, those are just means to distribute your message. Who's 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 winning within that space at the moment then? Because mm. a lot of the, you know, when we think about food marketing, um, Definitely the fast food brands, and we've touched on this on the podcast before, spring to mind, KFC, mm-hmm. you know, with all the activity they did last year, they seem to be, you know, in line for, you know, all the marketing world's riches at it the does, moment. It does seem to be the minority, though, which I think is strange for, like, food marketing, because you, you expect, well, it's like an industry that you think everyone needs, mm-hmm. and, like, it's, like, visual, mm-hmm. it can be really exciting, so it's, it is always a surprise that some of them are falling behind, mm-hmm. but, yeah, sorry to, to no, carry on Theo's question, what brands do you think are well, actually doing it right? Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, right? So, I think it's not even that they're falling behind, they just never even got on the bike, you know? Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of still standing, doing their stretches at the, at the start line in the Lycra, so I think the whole thing is, oh, there's a few things, if you t- look at KFC, Good size budgets, good size company, good size structure. And with that scale, you then can afford to have the disciplines, prove the disciplines and make sure that it works. Mm. I mean, there's less than 1% of, you know, companies out there that could afford to have such an amazing creative partner as mother. Mm. You know, it is, so it's, it's not unfair, but it is difficult if you're a 60 strong restaurant group Versus are, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah. So, you know, they're benefiting from that. So the jump from that mid-level where your budget might be sub a million, it might be 300 grand. You know, one of the companies I worked for, which had around 60 restaurants at the time, it was around 300 grand. That was our total marketing budget. And in that year, we had to build a website as well, mm-hmm. which at the time was 70 grand. I mean, it won two webbies, which was really nice. But, you know, from that perspective, you know, your, your money's gone and it's print and menus and, you know. So when you add it up and you go, well, what money have we actually got to spend on amplification? There's not loads. So when you look at, you know, social and digital and, and all these things, I'm really pushing people to start recarving their budgets, re-looking at every single thing that they do and actually putting around 80% of their budget into, you know, digital and social mm. because I'm wondering what else they're spending it on. Is that because it's lower cost as well, Mark, would you say, compared to your sort of traditional, you know, big budget TV ad and print ads, obviously? Mm-hmm. Because that seems to be a theme of, of social that we've we've talked you know, about, you know, the CPM you know, you're definitely going to get a better rate mm. and it's more optimised. You know, there's there's many different reasons for it being a more effective strategy, it seems. Well, I think when you look at the size of the budgets that we might have within food and drink, I think it will show you a better return on investment because you can't really afford to be on TV. Um, you could look at some outdoor 
but it would be quite sort of pidgey, you know, it'd be really mm. small mm. Uh, levels of amplification for you to really create cut through in London, for example, if, if we take that as a, you know, a city or Manchester, whatever, you're going to have to spend an awful lot to get the, the eyeballs, mm. you know, as people are going around. Now, going back to who's winning, KFC are winning, but it's part of a bigger strategy. And I would argue, I'm not sure the organic side of things on social. And this is the same with McDonald's and Burger King as well. The organic side is not actually that well done. I think the advertising side of things, they've actually got a really good mm. handle on. Mm. Slick creative, relevant creative, um, and they're really doing a good job. I mean, especially McDonald's with that Peely Peely thing that they did. You know, that that went nuts, but they weren't doing a lot of organic. And I was monitoring the UK um, channels at the time, and there was six days, five days, 10 days between posts at that point, mm. organically. I'm not saying that's wrong if your advertising strategy's going well, but I think there should be a balance. And also, I think I might be right in saying, I hope this is right, but on Burger King's organic, you might want to fact check this or whatever, but on Burger King's or, uh, Instagram page, they've got sub 10,000 followers. Burger King UK. This for the U UK page? Yeah. We, we, we need to double check that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think McDonald's is up around 70 odd thousand or 80 thousand, something like that. KFC, I don't know. Um, so yeah, so it's quite surprising that even the ones that are seen to have the big budgets, um, you know, maybe aren't deploying that well in sort of organic digital. So I would say some, the criteria for winning on social is that it's a seamless part of your bigger market mix mm. whole thing. Yeah. You're growing your followers really well. You're making an impact. And actually, just even someone like me looking through, I'm seeing you. There's so many that I follow and you just don't even see them, mm. you know, organically. I want to ask you something as well on that though, Mark. And, and I'm, I'm keen to know your thoughts on this, Eve, as mm. well, is that these, these, these we, we always talk about UGC as well being a major strategy uh, in social media and we touched on the organic side. I suppose brands like KFC, McDonald's and Burger King don't really lend themselves to UGC and sort of influencer marketing and stuff no. like, say, a Wagamama's or a Starbucks might. Does that put them at a disadvantage? You know or? No, well, I, I, would, I would argue anyone is, you know, ripe for UGC. Yeah. So there's things that actually happened lately, which was the big bacon debate about McDonald's, you know, putting mm. bacon in a Big Mac, is it still a Big Mac? And, yeah. and with the Peely Peely stuff and all that, I mean, that a lot of that was user-generated content sure, coming actually, in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they didn't push it through. I think there's quite a low grade of user-generated content kind of coming through. So that's why, to your point, I would probably push into more influencer marketing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I was trying to think of a snappy title for what, you know, word of mouth would be, but through influencers. I don't know if it's post of mouth or yeah. word of post. Or, I don't know, but there's, there's something in that because yeah. the influencer stuff that's coming through, I think is far outweighing the brands doing their own, mm. uh, you know, sort of content. And I think it's because they're too stifled. And the fear in a brand manager or market manager's face when you say, you can't really tell this influencer what to do if you don't want it to be tagged up and yeah. to be all these things. Mm -hmm. um, the, the fear is just on, but it won't be on branding, but it won't be, you know, and also some of the advice I'm giving to people as well to create good UGC or influencer or whatever is they need to go back to their spec books for the actual drink that's coming out and the food that's coming out. Food is now, food and drink is being sent back now because it's not grammable enough. Not that it doesn't taste good, not that it doesn't look good, not because the chicken's raw. You know, I was up doing a, a little pub group in, in Scotland the other the, last week, actually, doing some local store marketing for them, local restaurant marketing. And uh, they said, yeah, it was a Bellini came out and it gets sent back. So you've it's got this friction. It's standing. That is the era we live in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, I mean, it's first world problems. But <laughs> at the same time, people want to share their experience and yeah. it's in yeah. your interests to do that. Um, but I mean, there are some people winning, I think, in organic, if you just take organic alone, but also it's channel specific as well. Mm. So some people are winning at Insta, some people win at Twitter, some, you know, mm. but for example, I, I noted a few down earlier because I was thinking, God, that's a good question. Um, so WAGs, I think, are still smashing it, doing really well. 
they've been bought over now, but they've still got a lot of the core team there. So hopefully, you know, that'll, that'll continue. Mm. Um, I think Mac and Wild, which is a little Scottish restaurant in London, there's two of those, are doing great, very meaty and sort of gun to plate and all this stuff. Um, Hawksmoor continuing to yeah. do an amazing job on Insta. They actually went viral the other day, Hawksmoor. I don't know if you saw yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. On, on yeah with the wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were, they were, they were leading to a wider debate where it's a few so of us were saying... The, the, like, everyone's going to come in now hoping that lightning strikes twice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I don't think it will. Well, there's a few people been doubting that it was real. Oh, of course. Knowing them and knowing what they stand for. It's kind of that way, if you got paid 60 grand a year, but you were nicking money out of the till, which amounted to 20 quid or 100 quid, it's not worth, you know, it's not yeah. worth it for Hawksmoor yeah. to yeah. fake yeah. that. Yeah. And I think the recovery of, you know, chin up, don't worry about it, mm. was huge. And I wonder then if the guy actually got fired or not, though. They just like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a girl, actually, I heard. Really? Yeah. But there's a lot of people saying, I don't understand how that happened because the top wine is always in a very separate bit. But then they were wanting a £260 bottle of wine. So it wasn't like they were getting the house and then... Yeah. But they did look really different. Imagine yeah. like the other table as well, who gets given a really... They've like paid all this money and gets given the, the cheap version that's, if that's it's like it, small. Yeah. What, what, I, what I wonder though is for the, for the brands, like massive brands like McDonald's and, and your KFCs that aren't maybe trying... Um, as hard on social as they could be doing. Do you think part of that's because, like, at the end of the day, people are always going to want McDonald's? Do you think there's a part of them that thinks maybe they don't think they have to graft as much as some of the smaller businesses? I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think there's, you know, the Coca-Cola's this world as well and all the rest of it. You could rest on your laurels. But when you look at Burger King's strategy, for example, that's that kind of challenger against them, um, I think also the world's changing so rapidly and the meat debate and all these kind of things. I think they'll be smart enough to know when the right time is to really pull the lever on it. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, big company like that, they're going to be doing the numbers, they're going to be doing the analytics, they're yeah. going to really be looking at that. Um, but the, the MD, um, Steve Easterbrook, the other day, he actually said they're only going to look at putting vegan on the menu if it is definitely going to drive sales yeah. rather than cannibalise sales. So McDonald's is one of these interesting ones that it should still be here in 50 years. Mm. Um, it's just how much they want to sort of furnish that new audience coming through because if, I mean, it isn't true that everyone's only looking at digital, right? I mean, yeah. I think some Mark Ritz and stuff that came through there was saying um, millennials are, I think it was millennials were, were still listening to three hours of radio. And, you know, watching TV and all these things as well. So I think it is a marketing mix. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I'm expecting, I just think as a consumer, I was expecting to the for them to be more visible. Yeah, like um, McDonald's, like, I think their out of home campaigns are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like the art direction behind their posters is amazing. Yeah. TV ads have always been on point. Yeah. But like, I look at them on social, they've had some real hit and misses. So I think like they're still trying to figure that out. Mm. So that, um, that like that tweet story that they tried to put out, um, and it was something along the lines of like share your McDonald's story and it, they just got completely spammed with replies of people trolling them saying like things where they found like you know, like a beak in their chicken nugget or something it was just like yeah. they had no control over that whatsoever yeah. I feel like they've taken a step back since they've had some things go wrong I'm, I'm so glad you said, said that in terms of I think it's obvious when it's staged so see these taglines like share your story Share my experience. Mm. It's all just, it's like that lowest form of marketing, yeah. which is offline used to be, think sofas, think DFS, love this, mm. yeah. like mm. love that. You know, and it was just like the lowest common denominator. And I think what people haven't figured out in the main in food and drink is, this is a very lateral thing. You know, it's almost like, remember when the, the digital screens happened, you know, on the underground or, you know, and people just put up a still poster it's still a bit like that. They're yeah. not quite sure what to... Yeah, they've got their traditional media, like, perfected yeah. Like, yeah. to a certain point, and then social is just, like, the complete opposite. Yeah, I'd like to... I just would like to see that balance shift. I mean, mm. but we do, like, social media boot camps and, and all this stuff, and people are... It's sold out every time. You know, people are still so hungry mm. to understand because they've got no confidence, they've got no support, they've got no frame of reference. You know, the, the CEO's probably in their 50s or 60s, they're like, 
I'm not on Twitter, I don't get it, mm-hmm. therefore, blah. Mm-hmm. And then their only frame of reference is their 14-year-old daughter, you know, yeah. and they come in with something great, you know, whoever, you know, Tabitha's said or whatever, you know, and yeah, it's just like, yeah. so I think it's just sticking to the discipline, you know, and, and doing that. With that in mind then, as, as, as well, Mark, because I know you, yeah, you mentioned Mark Ritson, who I know you've had on your podcast, and you also uh, mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, who I know you've spoken mm. to as well. Um, two, you could probably say, uh, two people at completely different off opposite ends of the spectrum maybe yeah. in terms of Mark Ritson is you know it very much fights for the traditional uh, thinking and Gary Vaynerchuk is well a sort of digital native who's you know all social media what points do you and don't agree with of their arguments you know given your experience as a food marketer and the, the you know the many brands you've worked for over the years God you asked me to choose a dad <laughs> <laughs> this is tough um, well well I, I mean I'm Self-confessed, absolute fanboy of Gary V. Um, you know, just bought his new sneakers last night in a drunken moment. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think he is the extreme version of, you know, sort of saying to people what you must do to, mm. to get your business. It's almost like being on stage in a theatre where you have to overact to get your point across. You the know context, I mean? he says stuff like, spend all your money, take all your TV budget and spend it on a Super Bowl ad yeah. one time a year or, yeah. or whatever. So I think some of it is shock value. I think some of it is what he believes. I think some of it is, is what he knows. And But I think he's a, the most famous marketer in the world, pretty much. Um, he shakes trees. He's got a point of view. And, and people like that, you know? So he's kind of over here. And then Mark, Mark's not over here or anything, but what he's saying is use the data, you know, really, you know, use the traditional brand management ways. He's definitely not against digital or social. I think he's saying it's part of a mix. And something he said on the podcast was really interesting because one of the things was I do sort of trust my gut quite a lot and I don't mm. use the data enough. I, you know, mm. I need to be disciplined mm. more to, to do that. But also what he said was communication side of things is what a lot of it, what we're talking about. He was saying that's like three or 5% of what you really should be thinking about. You know, what about pricing? What about product? You know, mm. and it is the four mm. Ps, the, the Kotler, which can get laughed out of town because it's the, you know, market and ABCs. Mm. But if you sit down and you really probe those, it's still a pretty good way to go. So I think I've both got a point. What do I like and what do I not like? I think Gary's stuff... Um, I think it's really hard. So he said to me, his job isn't to convince people to do digital and social. I feel it's my entire job to convince them to do digital mm, and social, mm, you know, mm. within food and drink, because most of them are, are unwilling to do it well. Um, also, I think this, you know, a hundred pieces of content a day, he's saying that you need to put up and, and out there. Um, I, I don't disagree. The more content, the better. But it's sort of like, you know, I, I, I used to be in a band years ago and my, one of my dad's, uh, one of my mate's dads used to be like, you won't be a proper guitarist till you can play five guitar, these five guitar solos. And it's like, I can play those. There's seven guitar solos, you know, so <laughs> it's almost like whatever the number is, I'm, I'm sure. But I think what you can take from Gary is he is ahead of the curve and he's placing 20 bets on, you know, what the best things are to do. Mm. One or two will really come off. But then his concentration on Snapchat for example, saying everyone needs to be there might not be the right thing longer term because they're struggling to monetize and blah, blah, mm. blah. Um, with Mark, I, I think I, I agree with most of the things he's saying, you know, because being a brand guy at heart, that's the way I was brought up, you know, the discipline, the approach, the the longevity of it all, you know, all the rest of it, I think's right. But I do question putting maybe so much emphasis on maybe outdoor or TV or, you know, whatever that kind of yeah. treatment is. I would like to see people getting their social games, you know, almost taking their own medicine a bit, going the other way. That is the and problem. Doing the much more digital. Yeah. I mean, they're not even getting to TV. Yeah. I mean, basically most of the marketing is a website without SEO, very little local listings or web management on that. Um, they don't have a PPC budget, for example. Um, a lot of them, you can't even book a table. So how do you know how you're completing that loop? Mm. Social is a tick box exercise where you've, you know, religiously got to do your, you know, sort of, um, 
three posts a day or, or whatever it is. It pales in yeah. comparison, you know? doesn't it? it <laughs> That's it, my biggest pet peeve. You know? I feel like it pales in comparison to this perception that a lot of people probably do have of the food and drinks industry that it is, you know, dare I say it, you know, a bit sexy because you've got like, you know, everybody... You know, it's, we can all relate to food and drink. It's one yeah. of the yeah, things that come and binds us together, isn't it? To like, yeah. It should be a dream to work it, on. It seems like an easy sell so rather than, yeah. I don't know, used car engines, for instance. Yeah, you know, to, it seems like it should market itself. I think it's just not having that complacency, though, because it's being attacked, you know, in terms of Uber Eats, Deliveroo, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Mm. Amazon getting into that space as well. And I think smugly, all of us three or four years ago were like, you'll never replicate the restaurant experience. Mm. And it's like, fast forward to now, that's like, Christ, I've got to give away my margin and the experience isn't as good potentially. And, you know, your wagamama's been kicked up and down the street or whatever. So it, it is kind of difficult from, from that perspective. I think in terms of the, the sexiness, it's definitely sexy. I mean, working in food and drink is rock and roll for sure. There's so much talent in there. I think it's just that brand piece and brand longevity because customers are promiscuous. There's always something new. There's yeah. always something. Mm. So that's why you see, you know, the fast casual chains that have been around a while, either getting hit or they're closing down or they're consolidating and all the rest of it. And again, what they need to do is go back. Customer, what do they want? Brand, mm. relevance, yeah. you know, all these things. And they, But then they knee jerk. Well, we should do a burger. We should put chips on. We should, you know, and it's not really what a Japanese place should be doing. Yeah. Or, you know, so, and it's not thoroughly thought through. It's it's a straw poll of a couple of people that think they know best. And yeah. That's not always always the way to do it. So if you keep sticking to discipline, you keep knowing what your brand stands for, you keep in tune with being relevant and with your customers' needs, I don't think you can go far wrong. Yeah. I want to, like, just touching, going back to the difference between, say, like, Gary Vee and Mark Ritson. I, I always think that, um, like we said, Gary Vee is always, like, ahead of the curve and he's always got his eye on what's going to be, like, the next mm. big thing. And Mark Ritson, I'd say, is like a bit more of a, a skeptic, like a bit more of a realist. And do do you think there's a difference between um, like food marketing in the US versus the UK? Because I think the UK's got a re reputation for being a bit more skeptical. Like, do do they differ in any way? Massively. So I think it depends on numbers as well. I think the content can be slightly more exciting. You know, at stateside, I've seen a lot more exciting stuff. They're getting a lot of firsts there as well. Mm. I think people seem to be believing in it a little bit more. Um, but I guess with America, you've got sale, yeah, scale. You know, yeah. you've actually got scale. So, um, you know, when it, you look at the McDonald's page or you look at um, Eat by Chloe, which has got one, you know, vegan restaurant here, for example, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger yeah. in the States. So I think with having those... It, bigger eyeballs, you know, or more eyeballs, I think then you can afford to put more effort into it because the reaction and the engagement potentially should be bigger. Yeah. I think there's two sides to it as well. I think in America it can be very salesy, voucher-led, yeah. you know, you know, cheap eats, mm -hmm. you know, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And they're maybe using Instagram, for example, as a promotions tool. Mm which, you know, I've been trying to drum out of people if ever I've been doing talks on it or anything, saying it's not really a direct sales channel in that sense, you know, and there's nothing more disappointing when you see an actual ad on Instagram stories mm. or, you know, get $2 off our chicken or, or whatever it is. It just doesn't feel like the right place for it. Um, so I think it's about sharing best practice. I think over here we're doing a lot of good things. I think there's a seems to be a lot more care about, you know, the ones that are winning anyway, the look of the the product, you know, how that's going out there, um, you know, the, the grammability of the restaurants, you know, that kind of thing. I think there's a real focus on that over here. Mm. I think in America, in a lot of cases, if you're not independent or premium or things like that, if you are Chick-fil-A or, or whatever, you know, you've got hundreds, thousands of units across, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you can't really do much. To, to, to change every single one of those Completely. to keep up with the times you've maybe got to go more on the the people in the, the offer something like that yeah do you think if um is there anything then that UK food and drinks brands could stand to learn from the US ones I think 
it actually comes out of marketing slightly, which is just core principles. So I uh, was with a pub group the other week there doing, doing some, again, some local marketing stuff. And the MD of that had been over to meet Danny Mayer, uh, who did Shake Shack in 11 Madison Square, 11 Madison Avenue, um, you know, and all these really great mm -hmm. restaurants. And I think actually it was a lot more about, you know, the hospitality side of things, the service side of things. Yeah, they you do know, that really well. And, and all the rest, you know, and it is the fundamentals, but if you get those right and your marketing's still a bit crap, then that'll be okay. If this isn't right and the marketing's great, then you're just shining a light on a bad product. Yeah. And then therefore you're going to go under. So um, it's hard to say, you know, here's the 10 things they should learn about Twitter or, or anything like that. I think something I would push people to do and I think the states do it better is just complete that loop you know make sure your bookings in in place you know you've got to complete that because otherwise how can you measure it um I think also in terms of the e-commerce side of things having you know Amazon stores selling your products mm -hmm. you know just having multi-channels to actually get your product out there I think there's a lot more of that and a lot more um, focus on that going out in the States. I think also they're really good at people stories and it is a bit saccharine and it's like hashtag gratitude and you know, all that <laughs> stuff. However, some of it kind of rubs off and I think a lot of the businesses could learn in terms of just that internal culture side of things and how people are believers and they get treated a lot worse than we do over here. You know, the amount of holidays, the pay maybe isn't as, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think they've got that side of things sorted, mm -hmm. which then you can use on your social as well, all these stories. There is, yeah. They do you know? say it's a... Uh, feeling. Yeah, yeah, that so. side I think of, people yeah. want to know that. Of storytelling. And also, um, you mentioned product. is obviously such an important one because what I'm getting more and more is that it doesn't just boil down to social. It doesn't just boil down to this. Keen to get your thoughts on the move by Carlsberg recently, and this is something we've been asking a few people because this is another example of a product shift that I suppose was that was uh, very much driven by social mm. and driven by the feedback on mm. social. Mm. Shed some context on mm. on that. Obviously, with regards in, uh, to recently you were lucky enough to speak to the uh, yeah. VP of marketing. VP of marketing, yeah. Liam. So that was this week's podcast, actually. So uh, it it was great. Did it really come from social question? So I think there was maybe, you know, talking to Liam, I think it was part of the sort of toolbox, but I think they just knew there was an inherent issue in the brand. And again, I would really sort of invite people with any kind of brand to almost do what Carlsberg did, where there's only two things really. One is either your product's not right, or your brand promise isn't right. Yeah, this is what we were saying um, last week. When we were speaking to the CMO of Huel, um, yeah. uh, and then we spoke a little bit about like the product versus the perception, mm. and yeah. it's like having that balance. So usually, you know, a lot of the time people just have the product and then they have the brand that's in this complete alignment. And as time goes on, external market forces, consumer changes, competitors, da 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 they just then sort of hunker down and try and do good marketing to get their way out of it. Mm. So whether they discount or whether there's great engaging advertising and it's sort of putting lipstick on a pig and eventually yeah. you're going to have to change. You know, you're going to have to change something. But there's just this two polar force. So Liam was dead smart and the team there where they just looked at it and they said, right, either the promise is wrong or the product's wrong. And actually, they said, actually, the pro the promise is right. They have had a slight deviation, but we'll come on to that say, but the product's wrong. So everything that's happening around us, the liquid, as they talk about, is, is not right. The brand still looks good and all these things. So then basically what they did was so lucky to be able to go to Denmark and say to the head people, in our market only, and this is never happens, you know. Just solely the UK, UK market. only, just UK. Uh, you know, from what Liam's saying, Carlsberg performs really well in other markets across mm. the world. Mm. The liquid is different slightly, I believe from what he was saying. And it's, it's you know, in good health. The UK, it wasn't in good health. Now what can happen is the people that are sitting in Denmark could go jog on sun. Yeah. You know, there's no way yeah. you're getting to do this. But actually to be fair to them, 
they had these words up at the the gate, which I can't remember the exact words, but it was that that they kind of pointed to and said the founders' words, you know, were not good enough. So I went back, ripped up the recipe book, and started again to to make a Danish pilsner as opposed to a lager. So they changed the strap line to then or the ad line to saying probably not, but it was the best beer in the world as opposed to lager. Yeah. Now what's good and what I think what's good about it is they're not fooling themselves though. They're not genuinely saying this will win gold at the beer championships of all beers worldwide mm. ever. Mm. What they're saying is within our competitive set, we will far be, you know, by far be the, the, the one. So uh, yeah, completely changed and it was everything. It was logo stuff. It was the, the cans. Um, even thinking about energy stuff, you know, in, in the environment, mm. the, the the green that they use, or apparently green ink is the worst, most worst for the environment, ironically. Really? So they changed the green to be better for the they've environment. They've also just gotten rid of plastic rings on cans. They've started the right? first yeah. one that are doing yeah. the yeah. adhesive, which I think is a great move. It was so clever. as perception change. Well, yeah. and then they rotate them, so it actually says Carlsberg across three cans. The, the machine's clever enough. Uh, to, so cool. so yeah. it's really clever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so... Yeah, so they just went and they said, right, we've got to change the product. We'll keep the promise. So the promise is still probably the best beer in the world, but they're challenging that through the advertising campaign. And then I'm assuming, they didn't say, but let's take, you know, the next year or whatever. Then there'll probably be some kind of taste test to then see eight out of 10 people prefer you know, yeah, but there was a social element to that as well. Was yeah. was wasn't there where where people would say, oh, it, it, you know, it tastes like, you know, excuse my French, it tastes like piss, it tastes like this, you know, urine it's cubes, this. yeah, urine, exactly, urine, because yeah, it, urine urine cubes. It, it, <laughs> it did have a bruised image in it did have a bruised uh, yeah. image in the UK, didn't it? So, well, I mean, yeah, so, so you're right. So back to your point, I don't think that led it. I think it was part of the strategy to to listen and see what feedback our customers given us total. Um, it's a, it's becoming a well-trodden path now, the mean tweets thing. And I, I almost wonder if Carlsberg are maybe the last to be able to get away with it successfully, because I think you had like Oprah and Ellen doing it, yeah, Star Street. Yeah. then you had the, the, the US talk shows, Brewdog, KFC, them. It's becoming that, another gimmick, I isn't it? I just wonder if, it, you know, it's maybe, maybe the last one we'll see, but, Fair play to them. I think they did a, yeah. a you know a good job and to get that into every bar and total new glassware. It's a nightmare of a project. Mm. We've put, yeah. them like like making a really good positive change to their product, and then like you said, they they've got maybe that balance of like the product perception thing with the advertising. Mm. But then yeah. we go back to something like KFC and their um, FCK campaign, mm. and mm. that that very much was like. Like, you know, it, how many can lion awards did it win? And that was on the back of um, an absolute disaster for them where what was happening on the ground was actually really, really bad for them. And yet the the perception of that was like, that to me felt really unbalanced. And it was a great advert, a great creative, but maybe that was where they weren't matching them up properly. Uh, well, I, I think some screw-ups are good. You know, sometimes just like fortune favours the hopeless kind of thing where and also I think it's how they recovered yeah and and what was really good was is that no publicity is bad publicity in a way you know in the main and it was that people just it came on everyone's radar again going god I haven't thought mm. about KFC for years or you know whatever I I, th I don't know what their brand promises and I, I think the product uh, line extensions change, you know, rice boxes and all this stuff. And, you know, the app's an incredible thing. You know, it's it's well worth downloading. There's loads of freebies on there, especially if you're a student. But I don't know what works went on in the inside that's actually changed the brand. Mm. I think there's been an incredible communications brief um, that then has been executed really, really well. However, socially, again... Organically, I don't think I've seen enough. Yeah, see, that's, that's the only mm. KFC campaign that I can think of. And for, for them to go to like maybe like the recent TV ad where it's they're making fun of all the other chicken shops in London. Lot of stuff with the but aside from well, that, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, interestingly, I thought the print ad was way better than the TV 
the TV and it was like the the Colonel driving his big mm. car and yeah. mm. I was a bit like oh, I don't yeah. know and then I've seen pictures of like the hot Colonel he's like this ripped guy with grey hair and it's a bit like whoa <laughs> don't want to see that yeah <laughs> um, so uh, you just can't unsee but I think um, I think the print ad was a piece of genius so I think they've had two incredible print ads that have went social because so many people especially LinkedIn shared it massively yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was and a then, huge sort of you, you do seem to get this bubble yeah, on social after, after that, that you where people massive. sort of yeah. become marketing commentators but and I, people not even involved I felt so, like it was a, a big part in the beginning because with KFC like that's where like people were turning to to like report what was happening in the stores and there was that woman who, who tweeted at them said oh my I've had to go into Burger King and then KFC was like oh god I'm sorry we'll give you free rice boxes for a year and Burger King joined <laughs> it was like no we'll give you free Whoppers for a year oh nice yeah and it was like it's sort of like the problem started there and then you get that that feedback loop after the ad's gone out where yeah. people are responding you could see like the change in perception well, I, I think, really clever. I think it. I think to me it looked more like a reappraisal strategy, uh, you know, from Taker on Mother and the chicken advert where it was, you know, sort of the rap music behind it and all that sort of stuff was great. But I, I'm not sure fundamentally the brand itself has has been sort of redefined or repositioned or it's not necessarily maybe been sort of dusted down. I, I think I think it will in in the long term. I think there's been. I, I think. It kind of almost bought them air cover to mm. then do all this other great stuff. Although the latest campaign, I was a bit surprised at where they um, did some Instagram stuff, and it was sort of I think it was KFC again with bacon, mm. and it mm. was it was sort of like slagging off vegans or you know wish you weren't a vegan or the one that will turn you or you know that kind of stuff. And it, I wasn't sure about that. That's a bad move. I've seen yeah. some burger chains GBK make the same mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, I want to uh, touch on the sort of neuromarketing side of things because, you know, we can all agree that food has uh, very strong emotional triggers, obviously, and we've seen this very much so, you know, ourselves would like love food with, with, with the food porn craze, but also uh, you begin to sort of read around the topics and stuff and you see stuff like uh, people say, oh, you put uh, cider companies once upon a time started putting ice in ciders like Bulmers because yeah. it meant that you couldn't fit the whole bottle in, in the pint glass and the bottle would be on show or if you walk into a pub and you see somebody Guinness you're more likely to buy Guinness how do you go about using social in a way uh, that sort of plays on these powerful neural triggers is mm. there such a way is, is that something that you'd like to see more of is it something that people are doing I think you're not seeing that come through yet in restaurants and pubs and all this because I think with your examples that's coming from the maker who's you know the FMCG um, or the drinks brand or you know who are you know crunching all that data I think from a restaurant point of view and and you know pubs and bars I'd love to see more of that coming in Mm. especially if your target audience is potentially more a psychographic play than it is a demographic play uh, so I would be really interested to hook up with, you know, the sort of neurologists and, uh, I mean, there could be speeches and that and all these things just from thinking about. It. I think it's an untapped resource and I've only seen that creep into LinkedIn and conversations and conferences mm. kind of lately, really. Mm. People mm. talking about neuro and whether that's internal marketing and external marketing. So I think then you'd need to understand what humans want, what that target consumer what what are the levers? You know, you know the colours, the tastes, the the you know the drip down the side of the glass. I think also, I'm sure you'd be able to look at social and unpick what the most engaging posts are mm. in the world and your competitive set. And your is it people? Is it a barbecue? Is it sunshine? Mm, is it blue? Is it is. you know? And then we could take all of that information and sort of retrofit that back into potentially something you could do so is it you know the 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 floral stuff that's going on and you know or is that going back to childhood where you felt comfy you know Mm. it could get super interesting yeah but i think i don't know of many food and drink brands in in the hospitality sector that are putting budget aside to look at that Mm. but i think that'd be a fascinating thing to look at you know because back to the, the Magnus Bulmers thing you know I had people I worked at lastminute.com at the time I had people who I'd go to a pub with and he would walk out if they didn't serve 
Magnus and Bulls, yeah. you, you know, even if there was strong. a glass race and you put something else in, <laughs> they would they would then go and walk half a mile to go and get it. I know, you I know, know it's almost like asking uh, how long a, a piece of string is, but uh, what to you, you know, given every, the topics we've covered, what is the ideal social media strategy, in your opinions, for some of these yeah. brands that we've talked about who are behind the yeah. times, could you say? Well, I think it would be just starting at the real basics, which is looking at a, a, a strategy questionnaire and, and going through it and saying, why do you want to be on social? What do you think is going to happen? What are your KPIs? What's the resource you've got? What channels do you want to focus on? What content do you have? You know, just going through that, you know, there's there's various ones out there, you know, that you can just download and, and have a bit of a go at. Mm. But it's those types of questions, you know, what are, you, what are you really hoping to achieve by being on there? Because most people are starting by just either inheriting a page when they start the job or they're starting a page or they're getting involved a bit. Or So that fundamental question at the start was never really asked. It was mm, just, we need mm. to be on social. Mm. So I would take a real step back and there could be good decisions to say, do you know what, we shouldn't really be proactive on Twitter. We should just use that as a customer, you know, listening mm, tool. Mm. Or you know, actually Facebook groups is the way to go with advertising and not much organic posting at all. You know, do you need chatbots? You know, so you want to start thinking about all these different things. So I think there's that. I think then it's looking at social media strategy. It's looking at the channels that you're going to be going on. Um, I think you also need a hook. You know, what is your social media strategy going to be? So, you know, we did one lately for a, a, a van hire van leasing company and it was all about you know the the crap that you would talk about with your mates on the work site you know and the stuff that you would show and go can't believe that guy blew up or you know whatever got hit in the head by a hammer or whatever <laughs> so you know the, I think you need that hook there something that's going to bring together your brand your product and then a kind of insight into your yeah. brand so even going back to your sushi I mean this is I don't know 10 years ago or something, when I was there or more, um, we had sort of Tokyo randomness was basically the thing that we sort of majored on. So a third of the time, it was very basic, but a third of the time we talked about Yosushi, the brand, where it came from, what we believed in, da -da -da, you know, all that stuff. Then third of the time we pushed product, um, you know, because we thought you need to sell gear, right? So, you know, um, and then the other bit was just total crazy fun. And because we were linked with Japan and a sort of, you know, very far distant sort of relationship kind of way. There was just so much content that could come over, you know, the bands that are out there, Coca-Cola machines that chased you and hugged you, mm. you know, babies that wore noodle bibs so their <laughs> mum and dad didn't burn them when they were eating their dinner, uh, you know, all these things. It was just endless. So spend most of your time cracking that. What, what are you going to centre around? And if it is just pictures of your food, you know, from above or that blood shot at the bar, you know, with the the, the, the cocktail at the front with the barman or, or you know, bar, bar women's, uh, you know, blurred arms. I mean, just think again, you know, because it's just boring. And also I really sort of implore people to just look for what thumb stopping content is to you. So flick through all your channels and figure out why you stopped there and what made you stop there. Mm. I mean, it's free to do, but it might give you some clues, mm. even going back to that neuro stuff in a fag packet kind of way. What made you stop? Was it a person? Was it a... But pictures of your team with their hands in the air, picture of a latte, you know, picture of this week's burger. And I, I, I literally, you know. it's such a good point. Like a lot of brands, like all kinds of brands get stuck on that and say, like your picture of your lattes and stuff, you think, oh, maybe that's what we should be doing. So they'll sort of do it by default. But um, like you said about choosing something that you kind of had a link with to like your brand's heritage and it's not necessarily selling a product directly. There was, um, we were joined by people from Warm Street a couple of weeks mm, ago. Mm. And I remember they said something similar. They've taken their presence completely off Facebook. They moved on to Instagram mm. and they've said they've now stopped selling their services on that platform. And instead they're treating it as like a almost linked fan page. Yeah. So they, they do like music events. And instead of selling their music events or their services to brands via that Instagram channel, they're like creating a, a page where people can post like it's like really niche like old music posters mm, that had like mm. a specific style yeah, yeah. and doing it around that instead yeah. I think there's so much value in like not doing the direct style sometimes well I, I think it's A look at what the market's doing and try and go three, five, ten better than that 
And I think it's just applying that lateral thought. Mm. You know, what could actually be interesting for, for, for the people? Yeah. Um, because otherwise, you think you're not selling but you are selling. Yeah. And I'd love to see more of, you know, we just met your food guys on, on the way in, more content that's, you know, a bit more outlandish, a bit more video, a bit more interactive. You know, there's a Twisted Guys and all that stuff as well. Just loads more of that stuff I'd, I'd love to see. Um, and then the, the last thing on the on the social media side, you know, what would you advise? I think they also need to put a decent amount of budget into advertising and having a real strategy. And most people that I'm talking to, don't even have a Facebook pixel on their website. Wow. They don't, um, you know, in, in terms of do the, you know, Facebook business manager side of things, they're even just like boosting posts. And then when you show them the possibilities that are in the back end of Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc., they're mm -hmm. like, and the other one I always think about is YouTube. You know, it's second most used uh, social media channel and people don't use it. I think for food as well, it's like Nuts. so much opportunity there for like, like your tutorials, like recipe videos. And yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. when it's barbecue season, it's no surprise that people are searching for barbecue ideas, how yeah. to barbecue the best burger, how to do a Sunday roll, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And none of us are there. Yeah. Or or you might be there, but it's shoddy content that isn't optimised or or you know, sort of advertised in any way. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's a lot to be, a lot to be learned, a lot, lot to, to go done, for, yeah. a lot to go for, for sure. It's a, uh, it strikes me that it's definitely a, uh, the perception benefits that you get with social media, as well as the, like you said, the sales, um, as opposed to maybe other traditional forms of, you know, media taking in, that into account. Yeah. There's definitely, uh, is it, there's that, that, that real-time feedback, I suppose you could say, isn't there? Yeah, I think that's the other thing is not enough people listen on social. They post, you know, yeah. and I'm really sort of pushing, you know, people that we're working with or, you know, people that I'm doing speeches to or whatever and saying, you know, it's really sort of, I mean, it's been dramatic, but 5% posting, 95% listening. But mm. you can get so much business from just listening on Twitter. Hey, does anyone know a great bar? to go in the northern quarter of mm. Manchester tonight, sale. You know, that stuff's happening yeah. every second of, you know, come down in the first rounds on us. It's not hard. I know nah. some brands that do that quite well, but yeah. it's the minority, that whole yeah. like search and reply thing for like certain terms. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's so clever, but I think you're right. Like we've we've covered this before, haven't we, Theo? But people, the yeah, treating social as like a billboard when like say if you were trying to sell social versus TV ad, you're, you'd give the advantages. Well, you can get that direct mm. feedback, mm. but yeah. still people aren't utilizing that. It's literally like its biggest advantage. 100%. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Fabulous, we'll end it there. Yeah, Thank you very much for coming on, Mark. Awesome, talk. Wicked. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 